Back to Puck It in the Gas Man on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Entertaining sports talk. Welcome back to the radio show. Puck and Gas from the Connor Volkswagen studio right here at 950 KJR. You can listen to us via the web. You can just download download the iHeartRadio app right now. You can listen to us. You can listen to all the shows here on the radio station and all of the shows once they're podcasted. Download the iHeartRadio app now. All right, joining us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline is Joel Corey from uh, CBS Sports, a former agent, now turned kind of expert on contracts in the world of the NFL. Joel, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are doing, uh, we're doing terrific. we got training camp that is kind of right around the corner. And obviously, as you know, uh, following this story from a 1,000 miles away, the, the big story once training camp opens up here uh, in July will be the contract situation of Earl Thomas. Uh, how, how do you read this situation right now with Earl Thomas? He's still under contract for one more year. He obviously wants to be the highest paid safety in the game, free safety in the game. Um, what, what are kind of his options right now uh, in terms of trying to seek a new deal with Seattle, in your opinion? Well, he's already decided that he would skip uh, minicamp, making good on his promise before the playoffs ended that he would hold out that a new contract. To me, that means he's not showing up, like he said, until he gets a new deal. That's a dicey proposition with the Seahawks. I understand that when Cam Chancellor held out in 2015, he had multiple years left on his contract, not entering a contract year like Earl Thomas. But one of the things you look at when you're advising a player to hold out or not is likelihood of success and how a team handles a holdout. They did not react very kindly to having a gun stuck to their head. Paul Allen, the owner, backed Pete Carroll, John Snyder, and not doing anything for Cam Chancellor, so Earl Thomas will hold out at his own peril. Joel, in your experience uh, as, as an agent, I know obviously every situation is different, but is there a typical scenario in these things in terms of communication? In other words, are the Hawks and Earl's agent talking every 10 days just to check in? Is there no communication? How How is it normally when a, when a high-value guy, Earl Thomas, no one would argue is a very important part of the Seahawks team, and if I'm the Hawks, I'm trying to check in. But but what what is the normal route for communications in a scenario like this? Well, if he holds out a training camp, They'll check in. There'll probably be a conversation before about whether they're going to do something mm-hmm. where Seahawks will get more firmly entrenched in their position that we're not going to do anything if that's where they are. Earl's camp will be insistent on the contract. And then there could be a week, 10 days, two weeks without any conversation where its training camp starts. That was my experience with Keenan McCardell's holdout of Tampa in 2004 and Jimmy Smith's holdout with the Jaguars in 2002 because the team will worry about the players that are and what they can control, treat the holdout like he's an injury, and then there'll be some checking in every now and then. The best thing for the team to do is not engage publicly uh, with right. the holdout player because it's going to give him an avenue or some sort of vehicle to voice his concerns. So they'll treat it more like he's an, an injured player than anything else. Uh, Joel, would you, your advice, it sounds like, uh, your advice would be if you were representing Thomas is to show up. Don't hold out. Well, it depends on what your objective is. If you, your objective is to get a new contract and you don't care where you play, or is it to get a new contract with Seattle, 
Um, I just look at the fact there are certain teams that you know how they handle holdouts, and I put the Giants in there as well because they didn't do anything for OCM and Euro maybe five, six years ago. Also, Michael Strahan in 2007. you got to know your audience. you got to know how a team is going to react to that and have to know what your leverage is in the situation. This is a team which has basically a retooled defense. It's in transition. It would be one thing if they were a bona fide Super Bowl contender or going all in like last year then I'd say I had more leverage to get a new deal. But this is a team which isn't quite where they were before. The Rams won the division. The Niners consider the up-and-coming team. So I don't think he has the leverage he may think he had to get a new deal from Seattle. If the goal is to get traded, then you're going to hold out and you're going to start making disparaging remarks about everybody under the sun and take the scorched <laughs> earth approach. <laughs> <laughs> given given what you just said there about it, it, it is a definitely a new-looking defense. A lot of big stars from the past have now either moved on or retired. Does that make you – I mean, it, I, I kind of go back and forth on this. On the one hand, if I'm the Hawks, I'd like to have Earl here to say, look, we got to have somebody to help, you know, to help anchor the old thing to the new. On the other hand, look, if you're not willing to, to do a new deal for him, why not make him a part of – your big change. I mean, are you surprised he's still a hawk to this day that it's gotten this far without them at some point biting the bullet and saying, let's get what we can get for him and let's make this a part of our moving on? Yes, when they started dismantling the defense, I thought he was going to be the next guy out the door, particularly with his antics in Dallas. I've never heard of a player under contract <laughs> lobbying for another team to trade for him or yeah. sign him in free agency. That was the, one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard of. Um, maybe the asking price was way too high, kind of like it was for Richard Sherman last year, and there should be a lesson learned from there because Sherman ended up getting cut. Worst-case scenario, you'd probably get a third-round compensatory pick in 2020 for Earl Thomas, but if you're looking for the reported first and third-round pick, that ain't happening. You probably won't get the equivalent of a first at this point because one of the things is any team that would acquire Earl Thomas is going to have to do a new contract to give up anything significant. So maybe the compensation is set as a baseline of maybe a two, and it elevates depending upon whether he's on the roster as of a certain date in 2019, which would mean a contract extension. So so the, the best value right now, Joel, in your opinion, if they were to move him, the, the value would be just because obviously the new team is going to give him a new contract. I mean, that's part of this whole thing. would be a second-round pick. Second is something, uh, which may ultimately be the equivalent of a one, but you're not. I don't think you're getting a straight one. Okay. Mm. What do you think? How, what, what the best resolution for this from the Seattle perspective? Obviously, is getting him in. That doesn't even seem possible. I mean, forget likely. It just doesn't seem like they can do it. If, if something's going to happen in terms of a trade, is it, is it likely to happen? Because I think once camp starts, like the, the Everything would change at that point. I mean, at that point, I don't know how much leverage the team would have to get anything. Everybody knows they're trying to get rid of him. Why not just wait him out? I mean, the, the Hawks are kind of in a box in this one, aren't they? I think both sides are in a box because I get the impression he wants money. He doesn't really care where it is. And Seattle, they're kind of lukewarm because this will be his second big contract. So do you really want to pay him top of the market safety money, $13, $14 million per year in years where he's eventually going to decline? But we saw last year that there were more trades than we thought would happen or happen in the past right around roster cut down. So maybe the real deadline 
or the next big deadline isn't just training camp. It's right around September 1st, Labor Day. Joel Corey's our guest on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline from CBS Sports. Uh, Joel uh, handling all kind of uh, contract uh, details at cbssports.com. He's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, Twitter. I would uh, do so if you haven't uh, done it already. Uh, Joel, any chance in your opinion, uh, how likely would it be he plays out this contract with Seattle? Well, he may have to bite the bullet and come back because <laughs> he, he can be fined $40,000 per day for each day in missed training camp. Training camp roughly runs 35 to 40 days, so that's going to be a million five in fines they could choose to enforce. Plus, they could take back 25% of his, the prorated portion of the signing bonus for missing all the training camp. That's almost $500,000. So holding out gets to be an expensive proposition, and they wouldn't force some portion of that, either taking back the signing bonus or part of the fines, not totally forgive them for a deterrent aspect in the future. So most holdouts aren't successful. Um, so we saw last year Aaron Donald didn't get anything from his holdout financially. Donald Penn got a new contract, but only after he ended his holdout and came back into camp. Dwayne Brown didn't get any money from Houston, but did get traded. So the likelihood of success in getting a new contract with a holdout isn't all that great historically. Joel, uh, moving on to something, I mean, it, it's going to affect the Seahawks down the road, but interesting piece on on Aaron Rodgers on on CBS that you wrote that you know here's a guy who you know again it, it's still a year off you know, he's contracted through 2019 but he'd like a new deal who wouldn't right uh and and you 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 kind of went over the reasons why that is unlikely to happen and how much will whatever happens to Aaron Rodgers impact what's going to happen to the next or one of the next big quarterbacks who's going to come up and that of course is Russell Wilson well, if Aaron Rodgers just wants a conventional deal, it'll get done the $32 million per year range because they've always done his deals with two years left. But if the reports are true that he wants a clause where he can opt out of his contract at his sole discretion, he's probably playing under his existing contract for another year because NFL contracts don't have that type of clause like NBA contracts. And they could control his rights through the two years of his contract, 18 and 19, and franchise him two more years. So why would they give him an opt-out? Mm-hmm. Now, if he does get a deal, that's probably going to be very relevant to Russell Wilson. Last time when Russell signed his contract, he didn't have any real NFL money, a lot of money by real life standards, but they made him a second-highest paid player. Now he basically, they're reliant on his arm, and Russell, if they're going to be successful, he'll have money in the bank significantly, He'll probably want to be the highest-paid player, and he'll be looking at the whole, if you franchise me twice, then would you franchise me a third time, and could I be free? And franchise tag has gone up because of the restructure last year. You increased the 2019 cap number by lowering the 2017 one. So it's going to be the first franchise tag at a minimum, 120% of the 2019 cap number is going to be like $30.35 million. You do it again in 2021, you're talking almost 36.5. So the agent is going to look at averaging those two, and he's going to look at a long, if you're going to have an average out of a contract, it's going to be over 33 million. And then you couldn't franchise him again for over 50 million. So he could go the Kirk Cousins route if you're not willing to give him what he wants. He's going to have all the leverage in the situation. How how much is too much uh, in terms of a contract for one particular player that eats up your entire salary? I mean, you know, a third of your salary count. 
Well, you're kind of asking the wrong person since I'm a former agent. Well, but if you want to look at it from the standpoint of well, if you're going to win a Super Bowl, you really can't have – I don't think you've had a team win a Super Bowl for a quarterback taking more than 15% of the salary yeah, cap that's what in a given year. So, Yeah, that's kind of my point. I get where you're coming from, but from a team's perspective, when they look at, like, Russell Wilson, he's going to – you know, eventually he's going to make over $30 million if they want to go down that road with him. Uh, and you just said it right there. For people who don't know that that figure – uh, give that number one more time because paying one particular player this amount of money of your salary cap, uh, a team has never gone on to win a Super Bowl under those uh, under those kind of guidelines. Well, there should have been one. It should have been Atlanta, but they yeah. blew it. But typically, you're winning a Super Bowl where your quarterback cap number is anywhere between eight and twelve percent, or even lower. Because look at last year, the Eagles had more dead money devoted to two quarterbacks, Daniel, and also. Um, Sam Bradford, and they had actual cap numbers for Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. So anytime you like the Seahawks used to be when they won the first Super Bowl, um, quarterback, rookie contract, very cheap. You can build up the talent around him. That's the best-case scenario. It's hard to build a sustained Super Bowl winner when you've got a huge quarterback cap number. But you also can't win without quality quarterback play yeah. unless you have a lights out defense. Yeah, that's no, no. Yeah, well, that's a great point. You're exactly right. It's with just, with, with a killer safety dang. back there. Yeah, no kidding. It's crazy. <laughs> hey, Joel, great stuff. We appreciate. It. Uh, we'll check back with you hopefully uh, later in the season. Have a great summer. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. There he is, uh, Joel Corey, CBS Sports. Uh, does one of the best in terms of handling kind of contract discussions uh, in the NFL. All right. Uh, was he swatting mosquitoes or was it the poppets like the fireworks?